On a warm, early summer day in June of 2019, something extraordinary occurred. The cloistered monks at West Flederen, who produce three legendary beers and who are famously reclusive, called a press conference. When I received the email invitation, I was stunned. It was kind of like getting a message from Banksy or Thomas Pynchon. My heart sank just a little though when I saw an agenda item titled, Why is the sales system being adjusted? Nuts, I thought. It must mean that the famous phone system is changing or maybe going away altogether. But mostly, I was thrilled because there was also an agenda item called Visit to the Bottling Plant and Secondary Fermentation Area, which could only mean a visit inside the walls of the Abbey, where the famous West Flatter and Beers are produced and where hardly anyone ever gets to go. From Earblitz, I'm Nate Carney, and this is Belgian Beer Quest. So off I went back to the beautiful part of Flanders that holds West Flateren. There, a small horde of journalists and others, I counted at least 60 people, gathered in the small restaurant and gift shop known as In de Freda, or In the Peace in English, to find out what was up. Our group included folks from all over the place, Italy, Belgium, the Netherlands, China, America, and a small ripple went through the crowd when Brother Manu van Hecke, the West Flitteren abbot, the guy in charge of the monastery, appeared. My immediate impression was of a quiet, kind, unassuming man. He was slim, balding, had glasses, a neatly trimmed white beard, and a brilliant smile. He was not the sort of person one typically associates with rapid-fire camera clicks and Reuters reporters. <laughs> And as Brother Manu started the press conference, his presentation, which was given in Dutch but with information packets for English speakers like me to follow along, confirmed what I had suspected. The legendary beer phone, which had been in existence since 2005, was being retired in favor of a new online system. This change was made for several reasons. First, it was to reduce the load on the Abbey staff. Answering phone calls from tightly wound global beer buyers was no easy task. Secondly, it was to make customers happier. In the new system, priority is given to new buyers or people who haven't purchased for a long time. Waiting is still part of the process. You have to create an individual account before you try to buy. And there is an online waiting room, but redialing and busy signals are no longer part of the deal. And as Fedor Vogel, editor of Beer, one of the Netherlands' leading beer magazines pointed out, the beer phone's retirement is also aimed at reducing the so-called gray market in which buyers resold their bottles to stores, shops, or individuals for big markups. I'm a little bit confused uh, because the beer telephone, uh, what it was, uh, was something really romantic to uh, uh, order your beer there uh, that, that won't change. But I can imagine why they do it because there was a lot of fraud uh, uh, with the beers and uh, yeah, they don't want that. They are Catholics, they want the beers for the for the poor people, for everybody. Everybody must, must be able to, to get their drinks. So that's their philosophy, and I can uh, imagine what they are doing, but it's, it's quite, a, quite a change. Now, the monks were never shy about politely forbidding the resale of West Flitter and beer. 
and many people, like me, were more than happy to comply, but enough others sought profit that the change had to be made. Like Fedor, I thought the phone was romantic too, and when reflecting on the change after the press conference, it was kind of bittersweet. It's fascinating too that West Flatern is coming into the 21st century. I mean, the demand of their product was as much a product of the internet as anything. So one of the reasons they switched to the phone in the first place was because their demand was spiking so much. And so now, after years of holding out, they're finally going to the internet. And I have to admit, it makes me a little sad. There was something about calling on the phone that was, was arduous. It was kind of like being a beer pilgrim. And I guess you can have that same impact or that same effect with a website, but I don't know. It seems more comfortable somehow. Not that comfort's a bad thing, but, but I don't know. I guess I should just stop my whining and get with the times. And so I got with the times and joined the crowd and eagerly followed Brother Manu across the street and through a small, unassuming wooden door. I'm inside the walls of the abbey. There's a group of photographers surrounding Brother Manu. In the distance, I can see a tin roof covering thousands of bottles of West Flederen. This is an incredible opportunity. Mostly, I'm just astonished to be here. Inside the walls, this is a scarce event. wandered around like a slack-jawed beer tourist. Crates holding dark brown bottles were stacked almost everywhere, beneath tin-roofed open-air shelters, under old barns, and especially in a newer-looking sleek black and silver building. That building, I soon came to discover, was the bottling and secondary fermentation area, which is a key part of where the West Flitterin legend is forged. This was going to be exciting. So I'm standing next to a pallet, check that, 15 pallets of empty West Flederin bottles that are stacked high above me. I mean, they're towering like it's some kind of mystery episode, and I'm hoping that nobody rolls through with a forklift and knock these things over. But it's astonishing and beautiful to be inside this warehouse with all these empty bottles. Now, if I walk across a narrow alley with the wind blowing outside and trees, I find myself back in the bottling room. And here we've got five crates stacked high, filled with full West Flatering. Now, this is something I can get behind. I can tell by the color of the bottle caps that we've got some different things going on here. Ah, uh, yes, there are our West Flatering 12 friends. I can tell by the gold cap. I'm fortunate to have a couple of those back at home, thanks to the old system when I called the phone. And we've got some eights with their blue caps, and then the blondes with the green caps. So hundreds and hundreds of bottles soon to be sold through the web. Kind of makes me a little bit sad. It's the end of an era. Seeing the bottling operation was a clear visual reminder of West Flaterin's limited production. Relative to other bottling operations I've seen, the one at West Flaterin is small, really small. This makes sense, though. After all, they only produce 6,000 hectoliters, or roughly 1.8 million 33 centiliter bottles per year. To put this in perspective, this represents about 8% of Orval's total production. 
3% of Chimay's total production, or, for a much, much starker perspective, about one thousandth of one percent of what InBev, which is the Belgian company that owns Budweiser, among others, makes in any given year. So West Flederen beer is really rare. 6,000 hectoliters is just not much at all. The bottling space, however, was pristine. It was modern. And a small, plain silver cross hung on one wall, a gentle reminder of the monks' mission during the 42 days per year that they're actually brewing beer. But it was in the secondary fermentation part of the building, where West Flederen grows into its full maturity while fermenting again in bottles, tucked inside the equivalent of giant beer closets, that I had a most illuminating experience. Brother Manu, the abbot, was surrounded by a dozen or so photographers. He began to walk my way, and the photographers moved with him. Here's what happened. Brother Manu's walking this way. He's surrounded by photographers. It's like paparazzi. She's got booty. Oh, no, no, no worries. She's about to taken out by one. But he was kind enough to come back and apologize, so not a true paparazzi. Also, he's inside a monastery, so that's cool. But it's fascinating. Never seen a monk treated that way. It's beautiful. Yup, that's right. I was nearly knocked over by a cameraman ferociously snapping photos of a monk. It was funny, and it struck me as more of a symptom of our society rather than anything the monks were doing themselves. I mean, here I am, practically gushing over the chance to have stepped inside a monastery where beer is made. I spent maybe 30 minutes in all inside the walls of West Flederen and thought it was about as cool as any place I've ever visited. But the idea behind the monks' work is cooler, that their production exists to serve a greater purpose. And so I realized the change of the sales system is a reflection that Brother Manu and his fellow monks are still keenly intent on helping to make sure that their beer work is discharged in a way that complements their life's work. So they change with the times, as do we all. And so, along with the monks at West Flederen, and with all other beer romantics out there, I'll bid farewell to our old friend, the beer phone, with one last busy signal. This episode of Belgian Beer Quest is brought to you by Earblitz, a production of Advantipro GmbH. Our producers include master brewer Brett Hellenius, chemist-in-chief Manuel Flotkin, and me, your humble acceptor of paparazzi collateral damage and host, Nate Carney. Audio editing and mixing is also by Manuel Flotkin, who double-fermented the audio to give it that deep, rich sound. The EarBlitz.com website was crafted in secret behind austere digital walls by Laura Hirsch, Tabo Caballero, and Aaron T. Gregg. You can find us at EarBlitz.com or subscribe to Belgian Beer Quest on all platforms where you find your favorite podcasts. A very special thanks to the West Flateran monks for allowing me a closer look at the great things they do. We hope you'll join us for the next quest, when we dive deeper into the fantastically delicious and literally legendary riddle that is Orval beer. Until then, cheers to you. <laughs>